Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Linda Halderman, and I serve as a shepherding deacon and on the leadership team for the Day of Hope in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. God of grace, welcome us into this worship, for we come with glad and joyful hearts. Reveling in your forgiveness, we come to express our gratitude for your love and mercy. Lead us in the happiness of living into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Please rise for call to worship. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful works, glory is his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually, remember the wonderful works of he has done. Come, let us worship God. in Orlando reminds us that we live in a world of sin. Dear friends, the scriptures urge us to acknowledge our sins in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to confess them with a penitent and obedient heart, that we may be forgiven through his boundless goodness and mercy. Therefore, let us draw near to the throne of our gracious God in sincerity, in truth, and confess our sins together. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving Lord, we come to you in the confidence of the power of your grace. In that grace, we shall be cleansed of sin and iniquity, trusting that do confess and ask your forgiveness. Grant this, we pray, 
so that we may live with joy in your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever comes to me will never be thirsty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hear the promise of the gospel. By the grace of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. The poor and lowly are lifted up, and the hungry are filled with good things. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now with believers across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us warmly greet our neighbors in the love of Christ. Welcome to worship at Church of the Palms here in the sanctuary as well as with us on television. If you um, look to the end, those who sit in the aisles, please look to the book of Friendship Pat and 
sign in your name and please pass it along so we can greet one another by name. Um, we have three, four announcements. <laughs> Two of them are wonderful SYVs, Sarasota Young Voices, will give us a concert here on June 25th at 6 p.m. before they go off to their big trip in Europe. And also SYV Summer Camp is in August, but I won't tell you the detail because it's on the very back page of your bulletins. Today, we especially welcome Antonio, our guest musician. Thank you very much for helping us lead worship. A new member class is today at 10.15 a.m. in the chapel reception room. This will be the last until September. So if you are thinking about becoming a part of this family of faith, today is your chance to join. Now I would like to invite Elder Bob Burson for a generosity moment. Good morning. There's an insert in your bulletin regarding the results of the stewardship campaign. We're a little late reporting it this year because of the capital campaign. We wanted to get the capital campaign wrapped up and approval of the building of the building. So the, we set an objective this year for the campaign, a conservative objective of $1,800,000, which was what we set last year because we didn't want to have the pressure of the capital campaign affect us. So <clears throat> it had a minimum effect on us. The results actually were 1755000 or 98% of our objective, which we felt was very good. Uh, also through the uh, month of May, our giving is actually ahead of budget. So we're on sound financial footing as we enter the summer season. Of course, we'll continue to ask for your uh, donations through the summer because we are very active here at Church of the Palms during the summer. There's also a couple of trends that we are watching very closely. If you look on the back of the bulletin, you'll see the first one, it talks about the share of non-pledge giving. <clears throat> back in 2013, a fourth of our giving came from non-pledge giving. In the first quarter this year, that increased to one-third. We need to be aware of that, and we need to continue to inspire those people to give through inspiring stories of how we change lives here at Church of the Palms. The other thing you'll notice is that in the, uh, as we go through the year, the giving drops off as a percent of what we need until we reach the fourth quarter where we have to raise about 28% of our budget. This does not mean that we're in, in trouble financially. It just means that people tend to give more towards the end of the year, and we'll continue to reach out to them towards the end of the year, reminding them of the needs here at Church of the Palms. So thank you very much for your time.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we are blessed and we have so much to thank you for. How wonderful it is to be in your kingdom and a part of your eternal plan. In fact, a plan that goes back in eternity even before you made your world. You already knew about us. And just as we trusted you to save us, we thank you day by day for all of life's joys and rewards. And now, Lord, we invite you to look into our hearts and our minds. Your amazing grace shines into the darkest corners of our lives, reveals to us our needs, but also your grace assures us that regardless of our circumstances, you can help us be victorious. So help us, each one individually, we pray, in just the ways that we need you. You meet our needs, and we want to be the kind of Christians you want us to be. And so as we pray and as we look into ourselves, we pray that you'll listen not only to our words, but to what's way down inside of us. Fears, doubts sometimes, pains we hide. Listen to your children praying and forgive us sometimes for being childish instead of childlike. Forgive us for wanting sometimes to be too much the center of attention. Listen to us praying and send your spirit to alleviate, comfort, strengthen, calm, and confront. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us to gain strength and also to know your will. We pray for our church today. We pray that your kingdom will live in our hearts and it will be as active in us as your people reach out into our world. May our church be strong and endeavor to show your love to all of those around us. You put this church here many years ago and you put us individually in this church. We are a part of your plan and we are collectively praying that you will help us to be your ambassadors. Help us to discern and fulfill your plan for us and to be sensitive to your leadership. We do pray for those who are sick and suffering and bereaved. All of these need your physical touch and your spiritual touch. And we encourage the Holy Spirit to be with each of them as they go through these trials. We pray for our country and the healing that needs to come to a divided nation. We ask for unusual wisdom during these times. May your spirit bring thoughts and influence to their minds that will cause them to make the right decisions. And we pray for those who are grieving over the loss of life in Orlando, the senseless act of terror and crime. And we pray that somehow your comforting presence will be with them. So wherever you are, knowing you're always there, even when we're not aware of your presence, we call on you and we give you thanks as we acknowledge you today. You are greatly to be praised, Lord God. And we repeat wonderfully, gladly, the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we'll ask our ushers to come forward and lead us in the giving of the tithes and offerings. Oh, 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 oh,
Let us pray. Lord, we receive and we're blessed when we give. And we pray that these gifts will be used for the glory of your kingdom. But bless us to also be a instrument of love and compassion to others as we give freely to the work of your wonderful kingdom. We ask this and pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And we're going to ask the children to come forward and join Lori. Thank you. Oh my goodness, good morning. Good morning, good morning. So we have a lot of friends over in the garden that are going to be joining us upstairs for kids worship, and thank you guys for coming to help. I really appreciate that. Have you guys ever read the book or seen the movie Horton Hears a Who? A couple? Yeah? Yeah. I love this character that Dr. Seuss made, Horton, because you know, like, he's this really kind and considerate elephant. So if you didn't see it, the story kind of goes like this, that he's just sort of laying in this cool pool in the jungle, and he hears this little tiny, help, help, and he looks high, and he can't see anyone, and he looks low, and he can't see anyone, and finally, what does he discover? A little tiny speck. Yes, a little tiny speck. And on that little tiny speck is an in thousands of people. You've maybe you need to come help me with this. That is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thousands of people, but nobody believes him. But you know what he decides? Horton decides, after all, I'm gonna help them because a person's a person, no matter how small. So he has a lot of problems of people not believing him, but he stays true to saving these people. Will you hang on to that for me? Thank you. It reminds me of our Bible lesson today. Jesus is talking to a crowd kind of like this, and he says, I gotta tell you the two most important things. Love God, love neighbor. And then someone asks a question. There's always one, isn't there? And he says, hey Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you a story. So one day, there was this Jewish guy that sort of looks like a panda, right? He was walking down to Jericho, and out of the bushes jumped these bad guys. They came and they beat him up. They took all of his clothes. They took his money, and they left him for dead. But he's in luck because, first of all, a pastor, perhaps, a priest, comes walking by. He sees the hurt. Jewish panda, and you know what he does? He walks right on by. It's okay because the next person that comes is someone who actually works in the temple or kind of works in the church. And so they're coming by. They see him too, but guess what? They leave him. They, leave him. they walk right on by. I think we might be out of luck because the next guy that comes by is a Samaritan. And guess what? Samaritans? don't like Jewish pandas, and Jewish pandas don't like Samaritans. So here he comes by, he sees him, guess what he does? He helps him, he gives medicine for his wounds, he bandages him all up, throws him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, and he gives the innkeeper money, and he says, will you just take care of him? <laughs> 
I'll come back, and if you need more money, I'll come give you more money on my way back. Thank you. So then Jesus says, you tell me, which one was the neighbor? The Samaritan, the one who helped him was the one who was the neighbor. Here's what we have to remember. Everybody is our neighbor. And if you have some ideas and you go, gosh, I wonder who was my neighbor, remember Horton and remember Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan and you'll get it because you'll go, everyone's our neighbor after all. A neighbor's a neighbor, no matter how small. Will you pray with me? Lord, we ask that you help us to love God and love neighbor with our whole heart. Amen. Please be seated. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Psalms, Psalm 32, verses 1 through 10. 
Psalm 32, the first 10 verses of Psalm 32. Let us hear God's word to us. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silence, my body washed away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgive the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayers to you at a time of distress. The rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. The torments of the wicked are many, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As Pastor Steve mentioned last Sunday, we are taking a summer with the Psalms. The Psalms reveal the depth, passion, breath and wisdom found in loving relationship between God and God's people. Seven of those psalms have been known, labeled penitential psalms. Psalm 32 that I just read is one of those seven psalms. Our human relationships give abundant opportunity for falling short and hurting God and hurting others. Therefore, attention to repentance and forgiveness is quite appropriate. Moreover, there is a wisdom in the Psalms that carries us beyond where we could ever imagine going on our own. Personally, I love the Psalms because my father loved them. The Psalms were almost always a part of our family daily devotions. To this day, I read a Psalm almost every day. Sometime early in my parents' marriage, my mother learned that bangs on the forehead were all the rage. Influenced and led by her friend, she went and got her hair done with bangs, of course. She waited eagerly for my father to come home. He came home from work, he changed his clothes, they had tea and we had dinner and they put us kids to bed. Still, no word from my father about my mother's bangs. Finally, mother couldn't wait any longer, and she said to him, what do you think of my new bangs? What husband thinks there is a safe answer to that question? 
My father was young and brave, so he told the truth as he saw it. He said to my mother, you look like a horse. Yep, for the rest of his life, she never wore bangs again. <laughs> Several years later, my mother was pregnant with my twin brothers. One day, while she sat in the doctor's waiting room, a man admired the gold necklace that she was wearing, a gift from my father. He offered her a piece of gold bar about this big and in exchange of the necklace. She made the exchange only to discover later in the afternoon that the so-called gold bar was only painted metal and she had been robbed. She dreaded to go home to tell my father, but they had the kind of relationship in which they did tell each other everything. She explained what had happened and apologized to father. My father gently said to my mother after hearing her story, he said, oh, the regret is mine. I didn't buy a beautiful and valuable necklace for you. Tomorrow we will go together and I will buy you a big and beautiful enough necklace that you will never again tempt it to trade it away. So he bought her that better and bigger and more beautiful necklace, and she kept the faked gold bar to remind herself of the grace of his love and kindness to her. While my father would never mistake himself for God, I think his action here models the grace and love of God. My father made no demand for my mother's guilt or penitence. His forgiveness was for the sake of their loving relationship. My father's concern was for her to be his loving wife and for him to be her loving husband. The, the relationship mattered most. As the prophet Isaiah said to us, but now says the Lord, you, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. As God says in Exodus, I am the Lord and I will free you and deliver you. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. I noted earlier that some 32 is called penitential psalm. However, the psalmist here has an interest in something that is far more important than penitence. Penitence provides the opportunity for forgiveness, and forgiveness gets rid of the negative problem of sin. The passion of the psalmist here, however, is for the positive. The psalmist wants us to move past sin and to experience God's joy in us. God's love is for us and our love and joy in God. One of the phrases I most appreciate in our committal service liturgy is the prayer where the deceased is lifted up to God by name and though a sinner he or she is redeemed by God's own doing. 
The person is already God's own, so we address God in prayer, saying, Dear God, Tom Smith, a sheep of your own fold, a sinner of your own redeeming. I love being redeemed sinner sheep. Being forgiven is not the goal. Living a life of joy as redeemed children of God is the goal. Our redemptive sin and need for God's grace may cause us to miss what God wants with us. What God wants is a relationship of love and joy and happiness. Therefore, verses 1 and 2 of the 32 Psalm invite us to think of ourselves as those happy ones whose transgressions are forgiven. We are forgiven by God and we are without iniquity. We tremble to say such a thing to suggest that we at any time are without transgression, sin, iniquity, and deceit. We say we have turned to God in sincere repentance. We affirm that we believe God forgives when we repent. Surely then, we are truly forgiven and made anew by our God. In verses three and four, the psalmist includes us in the we of those connected with the love and mercy of God. Being forgiven is a great release of anxiety and guilt, but it is not enough. Verse 5 contains three repetitions of our confessions and reminds us that we need to keep confessing our sins. But for the psalmist, there is a need for only one declaration of God's forgiveness. We stumble in our efforts, but God's act of forgiveness is powerful, graceful, and lasting. How marvelous is that? In verses 6 through 8, we are included in those who have stories to tell about living in the context of God's forgiveness. It is a part of our call to witness to living as God's changed people. If we are always aware of our sinfulness and never aware of our blessings as God's forgiven people, we ended up being arrogantly proud of our humility. Indeed, we are forgiven sinners, redeemed by God. If we continue obsessing with our guilt, we end up blinded to what God has done for us. The obsession with guilt also numbs us to what God does for us to keep us living in his grace. The ancient path is not about getting forgiven. It is about living with joy as redeemed sinners. Joyful living as people redeemed in God's love is the best protection from falling back into sin. As of the old Brown family favorite hymn uh, puts it, but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Verses 10 and 11 are the heart of this psalm. Here are the words of light, grace, and hope that are God's vision for us. Steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the center of the message. We are imperfect people made acceptable by grace and called back to the love 
of God's relationship with us. We must trust God, we must trust in God, and count on God's declaration that he has made us upright in heart. Because of that, we get to live forever in God's steadfast love and joy. As Lamentation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. In response, we get to love God and love neighbor. Friends, we are called to rejoice with great celebration. We are to live our lives as God's grateful children. In that generosity of God's grace, we gather to be a part of the body of Christ, called Church of the Palms. All of us are sheep of God's fold and sinners of God's own redeeming. Surely the gift of salvation we receive as sinners redeemed in Christ is so valuable we will never want to trade it away. Let us live our daily lives rejoicing in God's grace. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now go in peace, love God, love neighbor, and practice rejoicing over living in God's grace 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Thank you.